Yeah, I know you had talked before about like getting a vacation house somewhere for a week or mm-hmm. whatever. I think we should go to Roku City. Because I've been watching this, and I gotta say, Roku City looks like it's fucking got it all. They always seem to have something going on. An active active volcano. There are enormous robots. There are large creatures attacking buildings. Yeah, there's like sort of. There's a diner here at the bottom. There's there's like sort of like steamship, airship. Yeah, steamship, airship. Right, so it's got like great transportation. I realize there's a large robot. You have to worry about that. That's fine. Seems like there's a large issue with aliens harassing the. That is true. Yeah, well, you just don't go to that part. Yeah, that's right. Like, you're on this island in the middle. Look how like cozy it is. That's true. You got this yeah. little diner here. Twenty four hour diner. Yeah. A barber shop. Yeah. We could just stay here and then just take in whatever's happening on the mainland. Yeah. And just just enjoy the, the sights of Roku City. Yeah. A dinosaur. I believe that is Stark Tower there. At yeah. The, yeah. That's yeah. That's the, the Stark Tower. Planet. Yeah. It's because the Daily Planet. And that's like just the Transamerica Pyramid in the like the Chrysler Building or Empire yeah. State Building. Like there and there. Yeah. And that's I think the Emerald City betwixt the <laughs> two of them. <laughs> yeah. There's the Emerald City. So yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just saying, guys, we would get our money's worth here. <laughs> they have it all. They yeah. And look really at this cool. a theater with free movies. Yeah. Yeah. And TV. Yeah. The thing I love to do when I want to watch TV is go to a movie theater. Yeah. Just sit there. Just just go up in your pajamas, mm-hmm. plop down in the movie theater, have a little snack. They will try to push Dear John at us. <laughs> That's true. It'll <laughs> pop up. Yeah. <laughs> Someone like runs up to you with a large side. Be yeah. like, hey, Dear hey, John. watch Dear John. Yeah. <laughs> Told you no. Tell me what you want to Why do we watch this? The podcast where three chums watch a not-so-great movie, make a themed cocktail to accompany it, talk about what we like, what we didn't like, and how we would fix it. I am Brendan, a pig who just loves physics, Trichler. I am Lee Old Man Shoes Delahanty. And you are Chris Ravel. How did you know? Because I can read minds! <laughs> it's on your backpack. Thank you. And the movie we just watched was 2010's The Sorcerer's Apprentice. That's right. The Disney uh, live-action movie ostensibly kind of based off of a segment of Fantasia. Fantasia. Uh, directed by John Turtletaub, starring Nicolas Cage, Jay Baruchel, Alfred Molina, Teresa Palmer, and Monica Bellucci. Also, Alice Crege is there, too, for some parts. Yeah. I think that's mostly anyone yeah. who matters. A projection of Alice Crege. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ian McShane was the narrator in the beginning? How? What? Why? I know. I was just like, like I, I assumed it was the guy who played Weird. Merlin and they were just like it makes sense but no fucking Ian McShane oh my god yeah, he must have just been like sort of walking by the studio right. one day they're like Ian grab one of those like um those hooks that used to drag people on stage like, get in here <laughs> fucking cocksuckers and uh Toby Kebbell also he's he's there too oh right odd choice a, a bit of a, a bit of a thankless part so yes as I said the movie that we watched was 2010's The Sorcerer's Apprentice and of course to accompany the movie we had to make a cocktail Lee do you want to do it or shall I I can do it you can do it um yeah I sort of uh, made this up a little bit yeah. um but it's we had the prime Merginian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's definitely a good pun. Yep, definitely. It works. Definitely good plan words. Definitely. Um, this is uh, one point five ounces of gin, uh, four ounces. Uh, we use sparkling yuzu. Any sort of sparkling lemonade could be a substitute, but I have yep. to say the sparkling yuzu we well, was great. So good. Really tasty. So good. Um, and then you finish by uh, pouring in some blue curacao, 0.75 ounces. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to cool. Fun effect, you can pour it in over the upturned end of a spoon, turn right. it upside down and pour it over, let it, let it sort of sink in, and it has a nice little, uh, the, you play with the density a bit, it has a nice little lightning Streaking, yeah, yeah, it like kind of streaks through the drink a little bit. Before it settles in, but you are going to want to mix it because you do not want to drink blue curacao. No, you don't, you don't want to have like a big mouthful of blue curacao yeah. and not then nothing else. Good. Um, yeah. But what is good is this drink. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really I mean, good. It's, it's like mostly sort of, you know, whatever lemonade you're going to use, yeah. and it was a very good lemonade. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the gin and the curacao spiked I mean, Curacao obviously just being orangey compliments the yeah. yuzu it very was, well. It was just enough. To yeah, yeah, and not too sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think you want to be really careful refreshing. that you use a lemonade that isn't too sweat. Right, right. Because the blue curacao is gonna also it's very sweet. Yes, that is fine. I yeah. appreciated the yuzu. It, it gave us citrus without. Yeah. Necessarily yeah. being really sugary. Yeah. yeah. Really, really excellent drink as we head into summer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would, if I was at some sort of gathering, I would pound a couple of those. Or make a whole yeah. picture of those. Yeah. And yeah, I would, honestly, I would you not be aware how much alcohol I was right. drinking. <laughs> yeah. It would be, um, yeah, we, we should think about like appropriate summer drinks. And then you'll for start the yeah. next several movies akin to this. Just you 
throw it back, and then you just start you can start throwing plasma bolts yeah, everywhere. Yeah, plasma bolts and uh, creating vacuum seals yeah. on right. the fire. Yeah, bringing mops to life and yep. all sorts of fun stuff like Playing that. Playing the best of One Republic on your Tesla coils. Tell me what you want what to be. Anyway. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> all right. Uh, so... Before we get into this movie, uh, Lee, did you say you were going to read the synopsis of yeah, Wikipedia? Yeah. Okay, great. Go for it. All right. In 740 AD, in England, the mighty magician Merlin... Uh, can you say this more as Ian McShane? <laughs> I, I cannot. <laughs> I wish I could. Every, every, every fourth word. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Balthazar Blake, Veronica... I actually don't know how to say it. Like, <laughs> she have a last name? Gorloison? <laughs> Sure. It's, what, do you, All right. what do you think that is? Gorloison? Jesus fucking Christ. Gorloison? <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. All right. Here. Veronica Gorloison. <laughs> what a horrible last name. It is a terrible last name. I mean, yeah, we'll talk about it, but and, Veronica, also a weird name. And Maxim Horvath. Horvath betrays his master by joining forces with the evil sorceress Morgana Le Fay. Morgana mortally wounds Merlin before Veronica is able to rip Morgana's soul from her body and absorbs it into her own. As Morgana attempts to kill Veronica by possessing her from within, Balthazar stops her by imprisoning Morgana and Veronica in the Grimhold, a magic prison in the shape of a nesting doll. Before dying, Merlin gives Balthazar a dragon figurine that will identify the prime Merlinian. Merlin's- <laughs> there's a lot of goofy terms in this movie. Yeah, there is. Uh, Merlin's descendant and the only one able to defeat Morgana. While he searches for his descendant through history, Balthazar imprisons Morganian sorcerers who try to release Morgana, including Horvath, into successive layers on the Grimhold. In 2000, in New York City, the Primer Linian is revealed to be a 10-year-old Dave Stutler who encounters Balthazar in his Manhattan antique store. Let's call it what it is, the, the Arcana. The Arcana Cabana, baby. Cabana. God, that would have been, if we made a tropical drink, that would have been a good drink yes. name. Welcome to the Arcana Cabana. <laughs> Uh, after straying from his school field trip, when Balthazar gives Dave Merlin's dragon figure and the statue comes to life and wraps itself around the boy's finger to form a ring. When Balthazar goes to retrieve a book meant to teach magic, Dave accidentally opens the Grimhold, releasing the imprisoned Horvath. When battling for possession of the Grimhold, Balthazar and Horvath are imprisoned in an ancient Chinese urn with a ten-year lock curse. Dave is then ridiculed by his classmates when he claims he saw magic, only to find the shop empty. He is faced with severe severe bullying and is misdiagnosed with hallucination caused by a glucose imbalance. <laughs> this is more detail than I think we get in the movie. Yeah, yeah, that might be. Whilst nevertheless keeping the ring. Ten years later, Dave, now 20 years old, is a physics student at New York New University uh, and meets his childhood crush, Becky. He immediately becomes smitten with her and repairs the, trans the transmitting mast of the radio station she works at after it is struck by lightning. The ten-year imprisonment curse of the urn ends, releasing Horvath and Balthazar. Horvath pursues Dave in the Grimhold. Balthazar rescues Dave, riding an animated steel eagle adapted from a Chrysler building gargoyle. Dave initially refuses to help Balthazar, having been under psychiatric care since their first meeting, until Balthazar agrees to leave after finding the Grimhold. They track the Grimhold to Chinatown, where Horvath has released the next Morganian, Sunlock. Dave defeats Sunlock, and Balthazar retrieves the Grimhold. Dave changes his mind, deciding he likes magic after all. <laughs> to become sure. Balthazar's apprentice. He also becomes romantically involved with Becky against Balthazar's wishes and advice, impressing her by playing One Republic song Secrets with the testicles <laughs> that he has been experimenting with. Uh, I'm glad they included the specifics of that. Me too. Of course they did. So this is a person who has written the fan fiction. <laughs> yep. Uh, Horvath enlists a young Mor Morganian celebrity magician Drake Stone to get back the Grimhold. They attempt to kill Dave, but Balthazar saves him. Cued by Horvath, Dave demands to know the truth about Balthazar's quest. Balthazar reveals that Morgana is trapped in the Grimhold with Veronica. Morgana, if freed, would cast a spell called The Rising, which would revive sorcerers from the dead and enslave mankind. As Prime Merlinian, Dave will become powerful enough to cast spells without his ring, in parentheses, a focus which for any other magician is the only way to channel their magic, close parentheses, and is the only one who can stop her. Despite Balthazar's disdain of his relationship with Becky, Dave convince it, convinces him to allow him to meet her for a date. Dave tries to use magic to clean his lab, but loses control of his animated cleaning mops, which forces him to cancel his date with Becky. He is saved uh, because of Balthazar's intervention, and Disillusion decides to give up on magic until Becky unknowingly changes his mind. He returns to his underground subway lab just as Drake and Horvath try to kill Balthazar and steal the Grimhold. 
Horvath, having no more use for Drake, casts a Parasite spell and steals Drake's magic and his ring. Horvath releases the witch. Abigail Williams uses her to kidnap Becky at the radio station, then steals her magic and pendant focus. He, sur- he threatens to kill Becky, therefore, therefore forcing Dave to surrender the Grimhold and his ring. Balthazar goes after Horvath in Battery Park, sure that Dave, without his ring, will be killed. Horvath releases Morgana. This is, like, such a fucking goose chase. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, and then... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who begins the rising spell while Horvath animates the charging bull sculpture and commands it to attack Balthazar. Dave arrives and stuns Horvath with the Tesla coil tied to Balthazar's car, while Balthazar's, Balthazar's eagle flies away with the bull. Becky disrupts the rising spell, stunning Morgana. Balthazar takes Morgana, a body and soul from Ver- Veronica, into himself, but Morgana escapes and tries to incinerate them. Dave attempts to stop her without his ring and succeeds, proving that he is the prime Merlinian. Um, Morgana shoots plasma bolt at the three and overwhelming Balthazar and Veronica's shield spells, kills Balthazar when he bodily intercepts a bolt vent for Veronica. Dave makes another larger Tesla coil out of the square's lampposts and power lines to overwhelm her, then fires a plasma barrage which finally destroys her. He revives Balthazar by restarting his heart with plasma shocks, and Balthazar reunites with Veronica. Dave and Becky kiss and fly to France for breakfast on Balthazar's <laughs> eagle. In a post-credit scene, Horvath retrieves his hat from Balthazar. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. A real life. Yeah. The end? Yeah. <laughs> I love the real chilling aspect of that. And in the end, he gets, he gets his, his hat, hat back. Yeah. All right, so Lee, thank you for reading that synopsis of The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, let's get into it. Just real quick first, I guess. Uh, Lee, you had seen this before, right? You, I we think seen it together? We saw it together. Yeah. Did you see it without me? Do you remember? I don't remember. Okay. I remember distinctly watching it. I feel like we both came into it blind. Okay. Yeah, because what I distinctly weirdly remember, my weird recollection of seeing this movie for the first time was when we had first moved in here before I had an AC unit in my bedroom, and I used to sleep in the living room sometimes when it was really, really yeah. hot out. And I think it was just that like I was out here and had nothing else to do and it was on demand or something like that and just watched The Sorcerer's Apprentice. So you and I had both seen this before. Yeah. Chris had not. I had not. So you were going in kind of blind. Yeah. This is from a really, I feel like I said this before, that like I could do an entire podcast of Disney movies from this time period (laughs) when they were just trying to like make something happen and nothing was really happening. You know, it's like Pirates of the Caribbean had come out and they were like, great, how do we do this again? Like, how do we recapture lightning in a bottle? And you know, we hit on that with our very first episode, The Lone Ranger, which was another movie from oh around this God. time period, which was like clearly Disney's other like big expensive summer blockbustery franchise attempt. Mm-hmm. And you've got something like this as well, which you know Jerry Bruckheimer was producing. It was uh, John Turtletaub directed, starring Nicolas Cage. Both of those, John Turtletaub had directed Nicolas Cage in National Treasure, which was like another successful movie from this time period. Equally as silly. Yes, equally as silly. But like, it's, you know, it's one of those weird things how like the movie National Treasure is a better movie than The Da Vinci Code, which like it shouldn't be because National Treasure is like the cheap knockoff of The Da Vinci Code. But like National Treasure, right, National Treasure is fun and it knows like how fucking dumb it is. Whereas The Da Vinci Code is like, no, this is very serious. The Da Vinci Code is fun if you view it with that irony on yes. it. Right, yeah, like, if, if, you, if you view it as complete garbage. I still laugh when that Hans Zimmer scores plays as he's, like, rinsing water. Down. <laughs> That's right. He, like, bleed, he cuts himself and yeah. the blood starts going and he's like, bloodlines? Yes. And he, and she's below, the, yeah. The revelation. She's oh, below the Louvre. It's so good. Yeah. It's so bad and cheesy. And then the sequel had fucking you remember as a hot priest combat priest yeah. honestly I think that I, I, I would say Angels and Demons is the better movie also yeah. like yeah like I was saying like this is from like that time period of like Disney trying desperately to make a blockbuster movie that would spawn a bunch of sequels right. and merchandise and get young boys into the theater and then eventually they're just like fuck it we'll buy Marvel and Star Wars and call it a day more so here than I could see with Lone Ranger I could yeah, see a I lot mean, of that like built in just right. in terms of oh this I could see like this like we we were kind of talking about how we could see that Arcana Cabana being probably like the merch shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. There, there'd be like some costume guy dressed as Nick Cage wandering right. around Epcot or whatever. Yeah. Um, so obviously, this movie uh, did not did not really take off in that sense. It cost 150 million, and it made like what was it like two something worldwide, yeah. which is obviously not a great. I think it only made like 50 domestic or something. I think it was like, like two fifteen. Okay. Yeah. Worldwide. Yeah. And most of that was overseas. So, like, yeah. you do not get the the bulk of that money when you're the studio. Right. So, like, it, it did not do well. So, clearly, the franchise never happened. Um, it also had the misfortune of opening, I think, the same weekend as Inception, 
which is just are you of, for real? I think if not, then like very close to it. So it was got blown out. Of right. Water. So it was just one of those things where it's kind of like this movie came out, everyone's still Inception, and this movie just like got completely forgotten about in like a week or two. Which is sort of a shame because I, like this movie is fun. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It is like this movie. Like I said, when I was watching it, I, I was watching it last week, and like I was surprised by how easy it went down. Like this is not a hard movie to watch, and it's a very fun movie for it the is. most part. Yeah. There, it's not perfect. There's a lot to it that I think is like pretty uneven, which we'll get into, obviously. But for the most part, watching this, I was like, if this was a movie that was out in theaters today, like, yeah, I'd go see this movie. Like, this is this was this was an entertaining little little jaunt. Mm-hmm. So just to, I guess to kind of start from the beginning, this is the Sorcerer's Apprentice. This is ostensibly an adaptation of the segment of Fantasia, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, which we all know and are familiar with, which was from a tone poem by Dukas, which was based off of like a story. Um, but we all remember, obviously, the Disney cartoon with Mickey wearing a sorcerer's hat, bringing the brooms to life to carry water from a well, and then he chops it up. A lot of brooms come, he loses control over them, the wizard comes in and whacks him on the butt with a broom for uh, <laughs> for daring to do magic. Some might say that's like a very flimsy pretense to it's, start a movie from. This movie is They'd like, be right. that's a great concept. It's like, what if the sorcerer had an apprentice? Yeah, but doesn't Pirates of the Caribbean the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, I think the difference with Pirates of the Caribbean, though, is you do have an entire ride, at least, so it's like you have no story whatsoever, but you have like set pieces, right? I, I, well, I, I here's the I've never been on the I don't know what, anything about the ride. I know mean, they have. changed it after the movie. They did change it after the fact to like to make it to the put throw a bunch of Johnny, Johnny Depp's, Depp's into it yeah. Yeah. and Jeffrey Rush. But like, what did they actually construct? Like I don't know. I thought I, I just imagine the ride is like small world pirate style. It, basically, like, there's yes. like no real story. It's like right, like it's on a rotation yeah. moving around. Right. I mean, it's like you, you go through like a bunch of shores. There's a pirate fight. Two ships are trading cannonball volley back yeah. and forth, and you go through a town where pirates are you know like setting fire to it and chasing after women. Oh, okay. Like that's basically the story of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Ride. Yeah. So like it's a similar. I feel like it's pretty similar. It is, like, and I'm not saying that like that's just, an inherently flimsy idea, and like it's not like bad obviously yeah it is just one of those things where it feels almost like surely the idea was originally so i i know from just looking into this is that nicholas cage wanted to do like a magic type movie apparently mm-hmm. and i don't know if like he went to disney with this idea or if they were like what if we called it the sorcerer's apprentice right. to tie it in with like that thing that people remember like otherwise it's just like nicholas cage the wizard or something like I, that so like did somebody write a movie Based on Nicolas Cage's whim? That's my understanding. Is that, like, Nicolas Cage met with John Turtletop, who directed him in National Treasure, was like, we should do another movie together, I want to do something with magic. They took it to Disney and Jerry Bruckheimer, and they were like, this is what we'll we'll do. We'll do The Sorcerer's Apprentice. So some writer... Yeah. received a brief that was like, Nicholas Cage wants to do a magic movie. Right. We think maybe Sorcerer's Apprentice, because I guess we own that concept. Yeah, yeah and do something with that. Right. Disney's like, always about that brand recognition, yeah. baby. Yeah, but I, I just, I'm trying to put my mind, myself in the mind of that right oh, yeah. I feel like it is kind of because like you, you know the, <laughs> and make it modern the yeah. wizard from the anime Sorcerer's Apprentice is like the stereotypical like wizard long beard blue pointy hat oh, and yeah. I just imagine like when you first get that aside are you thinking like do we put Nick Cage in like a long white beard and blue robes and a blue pointy hat like because yeah. I feel like that's probably going to be your first impulse whenever you get thrown on assignment for this I was yeah. kind of surprised there wasn't a like dream sequence or like he didn't take on an illusion of a wizard that made him look like Yen Sid or something yeah because there are the hat is it's in the after credits right so you, you I mean, get, like, it's a on full the shot of it yeah on the other side of this though like i i feel like if you look at it that way like this is what the brief was mm-hmm. what you get is sort of like not in a bad way per se mm-hmm. but in a, it is what it is way like a lot of like route one make a movie for young adults to watch because it's like well nicholas cage is old nobody's gonna want to care about him right so put like a kid in the movie right. he's gonna be like some sort of chosen one. Yeah. And Nicolas Cage is like a sort of kindly mentor. And, yeah. And the chosen one has a love interest who's of yeah. the normie world. Yeah, right, right. Man. You've got like an attractive woman there. Yeah. There's yeah. a MacGuffin that they're after. Right. It does. I, I, this movie weirdly feels to me like it could have been based on like a middle school to early high school series of yeah, novels. A you know? Percent. Like, I, I don't know why it has that vibe, but it really it has really that vibe does. for me. Like, if you told me it was, I would yeah. completely buy into it. It has a YA feel a bit. I think it's the, yeah. I think it's the, the, 
the what's well, weird, right? Because it's YA, except like you, you don't get YA about college students, right? Yeah, that's true. Which that's is which is interesting. True. Having him be a university student is an is an interesting. Choice. Yeah, part yeah. of me wonders if it was like he was originally a high school student, and then they wanted Jay Bruchel, and we're like, eh, he doesn't quite look like he could be a high schooler, so <laughs> yeah. we gotta like say he's in college. He's a hard, high schooler who's had some hard living. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he he had the traumatic experience at the uh, Cabana Arcana. <laughs> like it, it ages you, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> this is such a minor thing, but so weird that uh, his teacher in his entire class just shows up at Arcana yeah. to like I don't remember if you basically. were there I was telling Chris yes. that so, yeah that I had explained that like they start in Battery Park at their field trip yeah. and then where the Arcana Cabana is shot is a 25 minute walk from there maybe not in, like in the movie world like but maybe it's like wasn't. he didn't walk he didn't follow a note for 25 minutes. I know that's what I'm saying like it can't possibly be that but like I still nonetheless love the idea that the teacher knew exactly where he was <laughs> when he like yeah. falls out the teacher's like there you are Dave just happens to be walking down this street full of like Papers yeah. that have blown yeah, out. brought all of your students here That's to right. laugh at you. That is insane. He could have easily run back to where they left. Like bumped into them. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But also, yeah, it, it, it's hilarious. But also, like again, they didn't have any chaperones. So it's like, well, everyone. Has there is one other. There's like one other teacher there. <laughs> yeah. So I imagine that they were just like, look, yeah, we got to like, bring the entire class. Everyone with has us. to come while we find this one kid because uh, we don't have enough people to. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, we can't have one adult in a class of thirty people. We don't want to lose any more kids. Right. They're in a completely different movie about these like teachers trying to keep up with too many students in their classes, <laughs> yeah. and this one. This one kid, David, just keeps wandering away and talking about magic. What a little dick. Yeah. It is just, um, to go back to like the Source of Apprentice concept briefly, it is weirdly interesting then that Disney has now done two live-action movies that are ostensibly adaptations of parts of Fantasia between this and Nutcracker. Oh, yeah! It is just, it's oh, very, shit. It's just so like weird that they like... But is that, is Nutcracker... Wait, Nutcracker's not in Fantasia? Yeah. It is, yeah. There's, Nutcracker it's, Suites it's in Fantasia. Quite, oh, yes, yes, yes. It's like flowers dancing. Yeah, right, right. right. It's not like a Nutcracker, but it's the music. Right. And then yeah, they yeah. hearken to it in the movie with the conductor, yes. like in silhouette, like Stokowski. Yeah. And so I just keep on like, well, we eventually like over the next fifty years keep knocking out other segments <laughs> of this. We have like Chris oh Pratt God, and Takata and Fugan Diva. I want to see the the devil one. Or the okay. Oh, you want to something Night fun? Night yeah, Nine Mountain. So for so a bad. while, actually, they were talking about doing a Nine Mountain movie. <laughs> oh, really? And also, apparently, I didn't read too much into this. I just kind of skimmed it. There was an early version of the script that had Chernobog, which is the demon, really? and I, yeah. yeah, as one of the magicians who was locked in the Grimhold. Oh, that's Isn't fine. Isn't Chernobog like a, a Slavic Yeah, demon. Chernobog is a Slavic god. Yeah. Yeah. And so apparently like that was a version of the script at one point that they also decided to like drag in. evil as well. No, I'm sure he's not. I feel like it's the same like, like Katie's what and the Disney yes. Hercules. Like, like he's not really evil, but. Yeah, people kind of have to stop. Listen. They're just I'm, doing their jobs. They're cathartic Dark is not evil. are yes. responsible for the underworld. But you just it's stop this association of Listen, Catholic deities with yes, evil. with our Judeo Christian yeah, idea. Part of, of life. Yes. I'm, I'm getting on like a soapbox. <laughs> oh, oh boy, here she goes again. Yeah. The Nineveh Mountains, sure, it's good. But I, I, I'm actually, my favorite fantasy thing that I would love to see a crazy movie of is the, the Greek. Pastoral Symphony. Pastoral Symphony. Yeah. Pastoral Symphony, yeah. Because I fucking I was obsessed with Me too. the Pegasus family. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Oh, the little cute horses. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. That was my Daddy's. favorite part. And they go through like the rainbow water. Where it's right. Like, yeah. And they're like swimming in the water and the water is like actually rainbow yeah. somehow. Which is really like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. It's the, my favorite bit of animation and my favorite. I would also take um, the wacky uh, animal boy. The Dance of the Hours. Yes. Yeah. Oh, with um, with the fucking crocodile. The crocodile and, 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 the the and, the crocodile and flamingos eventually. Has Ostrich. to catch the hippo and he's like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure, that's what I'm saying. Disney. Get on the horn with us. We've got pitches for yeah, you for I'll, the rest I'll of write, Fantasia. I'll write like, the Pastoral Symphony movie. <laughs> I feel like doing an adaptation of the Rites of Spring section would be difficult, but maybe you could do like a really interesting, like no dialogue, only just well animated. I mean, Disney dinosaurs. already did the movie Dinosaur. Like they should have just called yeah, it the, Dinosaur colon the, the Rite of Spring. The first bit of Fantasia. I don't even know what it is, but isn't there one that's just abstract? It's to cut on Fugue and D minor. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the opening. It's just abstract imagery. Colors, colors. Yeah. And yeah. Imagery, yeah. I'm saying the Rites of Spring actually terrified me as a child. Could not. Oh, well, it's, I mean, it is supposed to be a terrifying it's thing. It's unsettling to behold. The the original composition is about, like, sacrificing someone right. from your village to oh, the really? volcano. I just, like, the, the the imagery of, like, these dead dinosaurs drowning in tar is, like, actually upsetting. Well, yeah. I mean, also just, like, like the image I always have is the, the te- like, when they're all, like, dying from, uh, of, like, Hub. Hunger and stuff. right, like oh, like right. there's no water, and then there's yeah. the sort of like them all kind of like marching in procession. And the T Rex just goes like, oh, and like oh, crashes yeah. to the ground. It's like I don't know. They, I feel like there actually should have been some kind of content wording on that. If you can, it's just like it's what are you, some kind of snowflake? Yeah, <laughs> I'm a 
snowflake, yeah. <laughs> but it like, act, like more so than like blood and gore is just yeah. like you don't walk away from that feeling good. Right, no, it's just the weird concept that like, oh, they're just dying. Like, yeah, yeah, they're suffering. Yeah. There's some animal yeah. suffering. It was yeah. fascinating to see dinosaurs, especially as a child, you're seeing them not played as villains and you're seeing them be like very afraid and like in distress and under duress, which well, is like, like in, yeah, suffering in like human ways, yeah. Yeah, which is, yeah. it's a weird feeling way. when you're a kid for yeah, sure. Yeah. And they're not like, it's not even that they're villains. It's just like, cause they are, there is like the T-Rex fighting and killing something. Right. Like, Stegosaurus. On. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you're seeing it just more like a, they're animals. They're not like, yeah, right. they're doing animal things like killing hunting it. And it is like watching a nature, a nature documentary where it's like, you're you're afraid that the next shot is going to be like an animal humping, you know, dinosaur humping another dinosaur or something. Yeah. It's like this is just the brutality of nature being played out. Right. Like, yeah. It's very Werner Herzog. <laughs> there is no. Oh my God! Is that going to be the director for <laughs> our rights of spring? Yeah, for our rights of spring. There's no. Yeah, like there's no heart or or empathy in nature. It is it is cold. <laughs> it is cold. Cold yeah. and unfeeling. <laughs> unfeeling. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. So, <laughs> now that we discussed Fantasia. So we've covered that. We've covered the Sorcerer's Apprentice. This movie, again, as we said, based on the Sorcerer's Apprentice. So let's talk a little bit about this movie itself. Mm. Sure. One of the things that um, I did like a lot about this movie is the way this movie does magic. We mm. had talked a couple of weeks ago whenever we were discussing the Fantastic Beast movies, and one of the problems I have is that I said that in those movies, wizard fightings just turns into like them shooting lasers with their wands at each other, basically. Mm. Yeah. Like it's just a lot of like. <laughs> For the most part. And didn't the colors get all, like, washed out? Well, I mean, that's the thing, too. Like, those movies are, like, have taken on a very desaturated kind of tone just to show, like, how serious everything is. Right. What this movie, I think, does really well is I like I, I like the way it handles magic for the most part. I think it doesn't get into the weeds of explaining how it works, which I'm fine with. I think it's very smart that they don't get lost in, in a movie, right. the rules. lots of time and place. Right. It's not the medium for that. Yeah, I mean, they do a little bit where he talks about how, like, magic and science are kind of related, and, like, if you want something to catch on fire, it's about making them all molecules vibrate and it's like that's fine you don't need to say anything more that's great i don't care they keep it simple in terms of tools though because it's like you have the merlin circle you have your ring that's kind of it right yeah yeah. you need you need the ring in order to do magic and that's like kind of the one thing that you have i wish i I feel like that it's kind of an interesting concept with the rings i wish the movie kind of dealt with it a little bit more in terms of like you you needing this object like it's, it's always a ring even though horvath's ring is attached to a cane and even though um that uh uh that amit not amish i guess amish girl that he raises towards she's the not amish. She's like, it's salem salem, yeah. salem wish. Yeah, That's what definitely not amish sorry um the the like the salem late or girl really that he raised Seem to have hers on like a pendant? Yeah, I was gonna say there was like a necklace or something that he so, takes from her. Let's call it Encantus, right? It's called an Encantus. Well, I thought the Encantus was the book. Oh, what? Oh, I, I think the Encantus was, was the What book. do they call the, the rings? They don't call the rings anything? I think they just call them rings. I, yeah. But I guess just like in function, it's just like that's their focus. Right. And like that's, again, that's fine. I think that's not an uncommon aspect of magic. Not at all. Yeah, yeah, that you need a device to focus it through. Um, but what I guess I was saying in terms of things I like, I like the visual style for magic in this movie. Like, Lee, you had asked me when they do the first, when you kind of see really yeah. the first wizard fights, It's um, you, it was the one the Arcana Cabana yeah. you mentioned specifically, right? No, or was it was the one with Merlin and Morgana? Because, like, okay. they're, like, sword fighting, and at one point he shoves her up against a wall, and then her... She starts to, like, melt into the wall. Her arms become stone. Right, like, he, like, shoves her into the wall. So she can't get out. And it's just, like, you know, it's it's more than just, like, hitting somebody with magic bolts. Right, right yeah, and magic it's it's missiles. more... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. It's attack like, the darkness! Yeah, it's like using, you know, vines or magic to restrain right. or like... Yeah, yeah, you get a lot of that because you or, get like the, 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 the coils around Nick Cage's arms whenever right. Horvath comes into a Jay Baruchel's secret laboratory. Yep. Um, you have the scene where they're in the Arcana Cabana and they sword fight briefly. Like Horvath uses his magic to make yeah. a sword like fight Nicolas Cage. And there's there's like, you know, polymorphing. There's, there's polymorphing. Yeah. There's turn, there's... Turn, a, g- a bunch of guys holding a dragon puppet into, yes. a, into dragon. a real dragon. Which you was, see them physically turn into yeah, a dragon from the inside, inside, which yeah. is cool. Nuts. It's not and as I really, gross as it sounds, but no, it's like, it is very weird though to, to see that. Imagine like they're inside a paper puppet, and you see the the paper turn to real, real right? Like it turns guts. to like goo, like inside yes. of them, and you see like the guy be like, "What the hell's going on in here?" I, yeah. I appreciated that just because. That and everything else we're describing just because, like, I felt like that was evidence of there being, like, real creativity and, like, thought being put into this. Yeah. And 
I think it's very easy in magic, especially these days, is usually handled in my opinion, can can be very just like pew pew and it's like you're literally just shooting like a blast at someone whereas instead they are like but what would individual spells look like like um i love uh, uh nicholas cage does this kind of like slowing spell and Avril molina at one point and it's just this sort of like viscous clear right and he's like struggling to move inside of it still like that was cool looking yeah. um i thought the way they animated things was pretty cool like they didn't just stick to one thing. They, like, gave everyone a whole bag of tricks to play around with. Yeah. yeah. I, I like also that um, it kind of uses the New York setting in an interesting way. Yes. Like, I like that they turn the Wall Street Bull real. They make it real. And it's part of, like, a battle at the end that Nicolas Cage turns the eagle gargoyle on the Chrysler building into a large eagle and flies around I on like it. it animates and then kind of unanimates where it's, like, it na- its neck kind of, like, and head kind of accordion outward as it's coming out. Yeah. Ah, just such cool little touches like that. Yeah. Especially because I mean, I, the, the mirror is one of my favorites. Too, yeah, yes. the mirror car yeah. chase. The car, I was gonna say the car chase scene is really well done. I think the part yeah. where like the mirror is crashing to the ground, they have to drive through it very, very quickly. Yeah, and when they're in the mirror, everything is backwards. So like all the signs are reversed and shit yeah. like that. I'm just saying, uh, Nicholas Cage did the 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 mirrored realm way before Doctor Strange did. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. Um, I just I'll always appreciate it when a piece of media keeps magic mystical and mysterious and surprising and kind of exciting. Yeah. And I think, for my money, this movie absolutely nailed that balance. Yeah. Well, I do think the sequence is like, it feels a little extraneous, and it's kind of strange from a plot point of view, but I was going to say just specifically the Sorcerer's Apprentice scene with the mops and such. I think it's a little extraneous, and it's a weird moment for Jay Bruchel to do the, uh, what's it called, like the refusal of the call right. moment, where it's like, it's over halfway through the movie, and then he very quickly is like, you know what, I can't do magic, I can't be this guy, I'm sorry, then he like leaves, then comes back and is like, actually, I guess I can't. Actually, I can yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the sequence itself, I think, is very imaginatively done. Yes. Uh, where you obviously have, like, much like in Fantasia, you have, like, the brooms and the mops where they're sort of, like, walking and, like, the, so, you know, like, the bristles are acting as feet. Mm-hmm. You have the sponges that are, like, cleaning up. But then, like, the things that you also have is you have, like, as the water levels are rising, you see the electrical outlets in the wall. Oh, and they have, like, yes. little faces where you would have, like, the progs, like, oh, no! Yeah. It's not since uh, the hauntings uh, faces. <laughs> little choco little, babies. Little choco uh, babies. Yeah. Like, oh no, the ghost is coming! Yeah. Oh no! Mr. Um, Bill! Oh no! Um, and also the bit where J.B. Rochelle like, puts his hand, his head in his hands and goes like, oh, and then like the two bops next to him like, also yeah. lift up their appendages oh, yeah. and mimic what he's doing, which I thought was just like, that's that's clever. Like it shows that someone involved was like yeah. really kind of feeling the vibe that this movie was laying down. And that was it, another, like, it could have not been there, but it was. That was another one where I felt the way they expanded on that concept was very effective because it wasn't just brooms. They got some other, like you mentioned, the sponges, the wall outlets, like... I thought they made really effective, smart choices in how they expanded that bit. Um, it was extraneous. It does not really kind of fit in the flow of the story. Do you know what really? I would have loved to see? What? A Swiffer. <laughs> yes! Or I would have loved to see like some sort of like turf wars where like the Swiffer is, looks at a real mop and is like... You're so old. Or like a, a <laughs> Dyson yeah, just kind yeah, of rolls swift. in there. A Dyson, yeah. yeah, the Dyson. Back yeah. off, bitches. <laughs> the Dyson's got this. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, the use of magic in this movie is pretty clever, and I think that's one of the things that um, really kind of sold me mm-hmm. on this as a mm-hmm. concept. Uh, going off of that, the sort of world and lore of this movie yeah. is, I think, not quite as successful. No. I think it's a little muddled at points. No. I think you get bogged down in a lot of the intricacies of the specifics of this world um it's it kind of doles things out at strange points like it's weird to me that nick cage doesn't explain what the prime merlin is to jay burishaw right off the bat right but instead like waits like there's no reason for him to not tell him what it is um we we were i think a little bit confused by the grimhold at certain points the russian nesting doll aspect of it although i do like that as an idea that i do too yeah no I, i think it's a clever concept as well yeah but i mean i don't know for me i think I don't even know if I would use, like, too intricate. I think that it's the... I think it's kind of the opposite for me, where it's, like, this very basic, like, you you must... You are destined to kill other... Like, mm-hmm. A is this, to kill B. Like, you were the only two that could do this thing. And the they ha- they kind of maybe felt the need to, like, 
create a sense of world building, but then the names just sound Well, yeah, I, I do agree with you there. Yeah. I mean, the prime Merlinian yeah. is it's terrible. Silly. And also, terrible. also Morganians is also terrible. Yeah, agreed. Like, but essentially, you're saying that there are two factions, but it's if you get down to it, this is like a thousand-year-old feud where, like, this one witch wanted to, like, I guess, be an evil dictator and, and yeah. use dead people to Right, rule, raise an army of the dead. To raise an army, but also... Like and so, there's only like three good people that have right. tried to stop her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's no, there's no other mention. There's like a they call you like Morganians, and there's like a right. bunch of different. And there's people. a bunch of them who are all dead, but they yeah. they never mention like and oh like, there were eight hundred good wizards who are all. And like yeah, yeah Balthazar like is looking for the primary lineage, but Horvath was training like multiple apprentices. Right. So like, why wasn't he just training randos yeah. anyway? Right. All those kids he sees in the fucking prologue. Yeah. Could, like okay, not the primary lineage, <laughs> but, but like nonetheless, you have you aptitude. Can, you can shoot a plasma bolt. Right. Like, yeah. Like help. you're still yeah you're still useful to have around. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. feel like they could have done a little bit more to A, really explain what that means. Like, almost in, when when I first kind of, watched... It's like a basic, it's like the midichlorians. That, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, you have Merlin's bloodline. And, right, right. Well, that was my question. Which is also weird, too, because, like, then couldn't his, like, dad or mom just do this also? Are you like, born of their well, blood? Here's the thing. Or do you just learn their craft and do you just, like, pledge yourself no, to he, them? No, here's the thing with if it's bloodline. Yeah. We are all genetically linked to Charlemagne. Right. It's a fact because of the amount of... So, like, if, if you're going back that far, everyone's going to have a genetic blood link to Merlin at some point. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. The amount of people that were back then versus... The amount of people that are now. today. Like, like you yeah. have to have some sort of incredibly... It's similar to how, like, we are all connected to, like, the first humans, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever. It, it's... That, that is, like, an actual, like, if you talk to... I mean, I, don't, I couldn't tell you the specifics, but I learned it on QI, so I know it's real. <laughs> they do their fact-checking on QI. Um, so, like, it can't just be about, like, you have a genetic link to this. Right, guy. because there would be many people who yeah, have a genetic link. there would be many, many, yeah. many people who have it. So it's just, like, you have it, as it were. Like, it's, again... It's <laughs> Capital I, it. Prop, yeah. Young man, you've got it. You've got so it. sort of, like, yeah, quirk of your genes kicked in. It's like the fucking... It's like the Jupiter setting all over again. Uh, right, yeah. You are you are the reincarnation. You're the right. genetic sequence. Yeah, the yeah. You are the, the clone of Merlin somehow. Yeah. Which goes into some weird territory, right? Or can. Merlin was a real dweeb. <laughs> Yeah. I guess uh, I would. That would actually be really great if it was Jaber shot old man makeup playing Merlin in the prologue. Yeah. Well, again, we're back it. to the, like the Star Wars right. issue where it's like, well, I guess it just matters if you're Sith related. To, yeah, right. Like if you're related yeah. to this person, your then you innate matter. abilities or like yeah, you can't learn to be this. You Are you a Skywalker? Right. Yeah. 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 Unless you're related, you're just not important and you won't really matter in the yeah. scheme of things. Well, which is a bummer. I I feel like an, a natural place to do world building would have been to introduce some other Merlinians. Um, Especially because you do get a whole lot of Morganians, and yeah. uh, what you see of them is sort of a fun little kind of quirky mini boss. Squad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. admittedly, I have an issue though also with this movie that it dispatches with He's the so Morganians yeah, very also, quickly. Not only like the fact you know one, the first one comes out and is dispatched fairly fairly mm -hmm. quickly, but like. The, I'm really... I don't know what the fuck is going on with the decision for Horvath to just summarily kill the last two of his apprentices. Yeah. Because I, of Raj, sorry, I need your power. Like, was that always the plan? Could you not have opened it without them? I'm right, or could they not this. just do it with you? Like, do, yeah, why do you right. need them dead? Yeah, and it's like, how is anyone ever on board with evil wizard team if it means... If you knew that, like, at the end yeah. of the day, one of them will kill you, yeah. Someone's gonna kill you for your power. Yeah. No, I, I agree, because I think that they were some, like, especially um, Abigail Williams, who, like, barely gets a chance to register yeah, in she's this like, movie. Yeah, she's like... She's like upset. She's like, "What is this? Yeah, like, like, what did I do? Did something wrong? Yeah, and it so like in ditto with um Toby Kebbell's character, who I I think is like kind of an interesting idea. I like the fact that there is a Morganian who is just this David Blaine esque like right. douchebag yeah. who well, is he basically was like similar to Dave, like sort of left behind when he got in prison, but he had already started his magic training and right. stuff. Like he had like a couple of years of magic tutorial and then he's like sorry I had to like make it up after that <laughs> yeah. and you disappeared so now I do this for a living right yeah basically it's like he learned how to monetize yeah. his abilities and then just became like this douchebag and right. like that's that's fun you know like that's a good contrast to Horvath that's potentially a good contrast to Sunlock and Abigail Williams mm -hmm. but like none of them really interact so you don't get any of that yeah. I, I love that the pan across um, 
the stage magician's office, and you see all those like paintings and posters of his. But just that one post. There's a Magic the Gathering. One. Yeah, yes! yeah. There's a Magic the Gathering with like yeah, literally they, like yeah. he must have like a card deck or something yeah. of Magic the Gathering. <laughs> he has like a licensed Magic. The- How did they get that? By the way, I don't know. Disney had to reach out to Wizards. Yeah, and like, just went I with think it. they were just like, hey, let's talk about who's the bigger Mega Corp. Well, us. I mean, I also wonder if like say. maybe the idea was sort of like, well, if this takes off, like maybe you can release your own Magic like the Gathering. Sorcerer's Apprentice <laughs> expansion pack or some shit. Oh, I mean, God. maybe. Uh, the other thing I guess I just want to say real quick about like kind of the the world and lore of this is I find the goals of Horvath to be a little I don't want to say like muddled per se because like I know what he's doing but it feels like we're going between two separate things kind of because his end goal is to release Morgana so that Morgana can bring back an army of the dead mm-hmm. to take over the world with this page from a spell that she took from Merlin in the prologue yeah. and I kind of feel like it should be one or the other it should be either you want to bring Morgana back just because she's the HBIC mm-hmm. or you want to take over the world with this army of dead people and for whatever reason like there is something in your path that prevents you from doing that maybe you need to get the book or something I don't know fucking who cares but just I I think I kind of keep forgetting the fact that what the end game is is to bring back a bunch of dead guys until we actually see her start to right start to do that and I'm like oh oh, right she wants to do that too but also his whole motivation or his whole like turn to evil is also awful because it's just like well girl didn't like me right he was Right. So, so he became I, evil. Which was so, really lame. So now I'm on board with like overthrowing the world. Yeah. yeah. Dead people. Yeah. I have this problem a lot. I'm watching like another show that does a very similar thing where it's like, that's it. Like this girl got like jilted and she just can't get over it. And she's like, well, I guess I can't have you. And even though you've told me explicitly in uncertain terms that you don't even hate me anymore, you just you've moved on as you would for 10 years. Uh, I'm now going to destroy your business, <laughs> which is like. She's like a she's like a CEO basically. She's like this fucking girl boss. She's because a whole company, and her now her sole purpose is to just make this guy's life miserable because he doesn't like her. It's like how I don't it's understand it's, it. It's disappointing <laughs> just because it, it is like a very thin character motivation, especially to take a. Just such extreme action. Yeah. So, yeah. It, and I mean, it's lazy writing at the end of it, but it is disappointing of like, you couldn't have thought of a better reason to want to tear the world down than. Mm, yeah, yeah, girl was this mean. This girl didn't like I me. I just don't, I don't buy it. And yeah, if, and if, I agree. Even yeah. if people are like that, it's not a good, it's not compelling. I don't really need a reason, you know? I don't he know, maybe it. he's just yeah, power hungry. Like, yeah, maybe he doesn't need to be spurned like by a woman and therefore became yeah. evil. But anyway, yeah, so that's all I really got for that, I think. Lee, I know you wanted to talk briefly about specifically, and I, I think we all do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The looks. Listen, so this movie is serving some looks. They are. Nicolas Cage is... Nice. Yeah. Nicholas Cage has a good look in this movie. He has a great look. Uh, The only, the only issue. Unfortunate hat choice in one scene. There you go. Two. Yeah. It comes back in another scene. But he looked like they put him in this like ridiculous, crazy ass, like it's like a fucking Harry Dresden style, like sort of trench coat, Mm -hmm. but it's like a leather trench coat. Yeah. And there's little kind of like old world touches to it. Yeah. He's got this like weird shirt at one point that with like, again, we couldn't tell what's going on. Sort of like, Arm, it's, it's like, like arm, arm protectors, sweater, basically. Sweater yeah. material, arm protectors, with like a nice shirt and a vest. Well, he wears a lot of like shirts and vests. Yeah, a lot is made of the old man shoes. He's got his old man. Yeah, shoes. he's got old man shoes. Yeah, he's got this hair that really works for me. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good wig. It's like, it's, so, it's, yeah, it's sort of like gray, one of the less hair. ridiculous Nick Cage wigs. Yeah, look, I've defended uh, Nicolas Cage to a lot of people, and I will always defend Nicolas Cage. You get a lot of levels of Nicolas Cage depending on what you're seeing him in. You get the you get a relatively understated, yeah, rounded yeah. Cage performance here. I was gonna say I actually really like how he didn't take over the movie. Um, yeah, his character didn't like. It wasn't like his character was the um, the Jack Sparrow or anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I'm just saying. You, Nicholas Cage knows what. Like he was the perfect like, level of him. He was yeah. really funny. I thought. Yeah. Um, he's I, not that. He's never been that kind of guy too. To like, even though some people will want to make like some people will be like, Nick, I need you to be Nicholas Cage for this movie. Right. I need you to go nuts. But if not, like he's not one to like assume like he's I'm like he's not like a Mark Wahlberg that's like I need this to be excuse me I need this to be about me yeah. <laughs> I need to take over the scene 
He doesn't have like an ego about about right. the roles he takes. Yeah. I feel like the moments where Nick Cage does go big are all moments that like work really well. Yeah, he doesn't do it all that often. It's mostly as like as, as humor, like the line I had done for my nickname, yeah, yeah. where he just mentions like, "Unless you want Horvath to turn you into a pig who just loves physics," and it's just like this yeah. one little moment where he puts a little, you know, he puts <laughs> mustard a little, on it. Yeah, he puts a little mustard he on that line. Stick on it. Yeah, it's a little stick. Yeah. There's also times where he just will like bore into Jay Baruchel with his eyes and like unblinkingly that yeah. it will it, where he'll just deliver some of his like flatter or more blunter lines it just adds an extra something it's very funny I think he's very good he's very good at uh, at uh, loud intensity he's also very good at quiet intensity yeah. he does a lot of that in this movie I like the way the mentor relationship is mostly portrayed in this movie yeah. because I think it would be very easy to make him sort of crusty and angry at Jay Baruchel all the time and he's not really no. like it's it's a very sort of gentle relationship that the two of them have and and I like that and even to the point where he brings when Jay Baruchel brings the brooms to life and sulks off and pouts and stamps away then comes back and it's it's Toby Kell pretending to be him but nonetheless he, he Jay, fake Jay Rochelle is like like hey I think I owe you an apology and Nick Cage is like look don't worry about it we're fine yeah. you know what like great I don't need to see like an entire scene of them reconciling and like working out their differences good move on he's like a good it's really a good like I think the writing for that character is really well done yeah. he's, mm-hmm. like, he's definitely written not to dominate the, mm-hmm. the story of the scene he's just like he's mostly got his shit figured out he's not brooding too much no he, yeah. he's like he's kind of like a, what you'd expect that of like a thousand year old person he's like he's got a lot of empathy but he's like he knows that he's like well sorry we don't have time for that right now yeah. I need to explain like this needs to happen in this order um, it's it, it lacks a lot of the pitfalls that you could fall into of like the no time to explain sort of meet like territory like yeah. he's, he's quite good at being like the I know everything I need to explain everything to you kind of a guy right I do like the scene where they're doing the car chase when they go through so the mirror Jay Baruchel just says something and he's like oh my gosh and this he's like yes it's the Hungarian mirror, tri- mirror trick Jay Baruchel but this happens he's like yes it means that we'll die if we don't get out of here and that's just like, he like immediately is just like very like Collie being like yes that's what it is no we're good I have yeah. to do this uh, it's yep, fine no more this. questions yeah. my favorite is like one of the first the first time they meet is like when he's an adult and he's like really explaining the whole like you are a sorcerer you have to want to do this and he's like the Horvath came here he wants this thing he's gonna do this with it and it, he it just ends it with like holding his hand like this must not happen <laughs> like, very slowly, yeah. like he's explaining it to a child yeah yeah it was really good and it's like clearly like it, it definitely like delivered as if like you know like this person's not getting anything of what you right where right. you have to like be as like blunt as possible and simple yeah. like it's, yeah it's like when someone <laughs> puts a clapping bad. emoji yeah. in between each word yeah. Yeah. this <laughs> must not happen <laughs> yeah so um i think we, we kind of just transitioned into characters with with yeah, that there yeah. so we basically just uh discussed balthazar slash nick cage we'll go to the titular sorcerer's apprentice jay Bruce a.k.a. Dave Stutler. I mean, it's Jay Baruchel. Um, it is. He's doing... definitely, like, in the wheelhouse. Right. He's definitely doing his Jay Baruchel thing. He's already yeah. got me and Brandon in the bag for him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as I saw watching this, this aggressively works for me. Yeah. I find this very attractive. I find Jay Baruchel inexplicably attractive. as well. Watching this, I'm just like, yep, this is good. I think that's one of the other reasons why this movie went down very easily. You know what? Yeah, I'll watch you. You know what else, too, I think was doing it for me? Jay Baruchel is... I, I think he's really, really cute in a very unconventional way, but I feel like someone who looks like him would not have been cast in this role if this movie was made today. It would have been someone who was an Instagram model or I, something. No, I don't know. I, I, I don't know for sure. I think, because I think the thing that Jay Baruchel has is that he was a comic actor, and I feel like it is the sort of role that you That's would true. probably look That's for true. a comic actor, regardless of how attractive conventionally that comic actor is. Also, like, you want a nerd. So, right. like, you're always going to get someone who can look at least, like, token nerdy. Right, right. Who looks like a Hollywood idea of what right, a nerd right. is. Like, not conventionally attractive looking. Yeah, because, like, you've always had movies. In, like, the 80s and 90s, you had movies about, like, nerds. I mean, you have Anthony Michael Hall, right? Yeah. As, like, so you, yeah. the nerd. He, um... I thought Jay Baruchel had a kind of great... He was really good at playing a, like, flustered, like, barely catching up and, like, keeping up with all of this weird shit happening. Yeah. Loved his chemistry with Nick, uh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, they do have good chemistry. Um, and you spend so much time with them as a duo, uh, I was relieved that they have such great chemistry together, because I feel like if, if even one half of that was not giving what they were giving, it just would not work. Yeah, no, that was, there was... They were cast well together as like a pair. They they, they did a good they did good scenes they did good scene work. Yeah, they do they do good scenes. Good scene work. Yeah. So next up, I guess we should go to uh, Horvath. 
I mean, played by the great Alfred Molina, who I mean, is delivering a full honey-baked ham of a performance yeah, in this movie. It's a ham and cheese sandwich. It's yeah, great. It is terrific. I, again, if we're go- dipping back into looks, I like his look a lot, too. It's I a very too. sort of like, I guess, I had said 1800s. I don't know how accurate that is. but he's a little got, later than yeah, that. Yeah, it might be a little bit. He's got sort of like this fur-lined coat and like a little, like, is it a bowler hat or is it a fedora? I don't remember what it's it is. It's like a bowler. I think, I, yeah, a bowler. I think it's like a bowler hat. It's yeah. closer to it, but it's not a fedora. He right. has a bit yeah. of a like, Van Dyke adjacent uh, facial hair. Hair. Yes, he's got the cane that he carries with him that has his ring on it. So he's a very sort of this, like dapper looking. It's character. got a sort of like jewel at the top, like a blue yeah. at the top as well. Yeah, yeah. A very, it's a very like gentleman magician look. Yeah, and I think I think it's a great look well, for Alfred Molina. Yeah, he was like caught seemingly in some sort of Victorian esque era. Yeah, because yeah. like he's sort of trapped in that aesthetic. Right, right. Um, right. And he's he definitely hams it up really well. Oh, like, so like, well. Yeah. Every time he pops out of a thing, he's like, oh, what do you use it? So it yeah. very like yeah, casually. He, yeah. I thought he just fucking crushed it. I think yeah. Alfred Molina is definitely one of those always good, because um, he will Alfred Molina will say yes to some crap. Yeah, um, but he is, a, he is a great villain. Yeah, oh, so okay. he is. He is. Yeah. And I think he also again going back to chemistry. He has a good chemistry with Nick Cage. I think as well, which is very important when you have a villain in a movie that like they can banter effectively. Or not, I mean, not even necessarily banter, but like you have to kind of like buy their, en- their relationship. Yeah. Their energies, or they they foil well with each other. Yeah, Because yeah. again, uh, Alfred, the idea. Sorry, go finish your thought. For well, Alfred Molina being so dapper, and then Nicolas Cage being not that. Yeah, being, <laughs> again. Right. Rumpled. Yeah, yeah, so so yeah, rumpled and grizzled. Rumpled and grizzled. One of Lee's rumples and grizzles. <laughs> rumples and grizzles. Um, but yeah, the idea too that like in the urn they're trapped in for ten years that they were conscious in a way all the time and just like sort of stuck with each other too. I would have. I would have. Oh my god! Yeah. More of that. Just the of, the odd couple. Yeah, situation. right. Yeah, We're, we are like arch enemies forced to live in an urn for ten years. Right, exactly. It's like like what's that like for you guys? Yeah. Having covered those three, uh, I guess we just sort of have to go to <laughs> Teresa Palmer as. Rebecca Becky Barnes. Like who? Through no fault of the actor... Yeah, is the most underwritten character I think in this yeah. and that's including Abigail Williams a little girl witch who shows up in two scenes and that's also including Veronica mm-hmm. yeah and Morgana yeah, yeah. The, you she doesn't like heights that's all you get yeah um, it's unfortunate honestly that the movie and the story sort of felt like they need I mean it's true that without her, it would be a sausage fest. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's to the writing's credit that there is nothing useful for the female character that has any import to do. Right. Well, and I think if you were to reverse everyone's genders, it's just you don't need this romantic interest. Yeah. It doesn't give anything to the story. They're not really a part of the story. Right. I mean, like, the most she does is that she knocks a satellite out of alignment at the end of the movie. And I would say the Wikipedia... Page argues that Jay Baruchel going like out on a date with her is what kind of ping pongs him back towards magic. Yeah, but if that's <laughs> if that is the case, you can literally put that on anything else. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I think this is not a necessary character at yeah. all. I, I unfortunately agree. I, I agree with you, especially in the sense that like. If Omitted, this movie is a sausage fest, which says a lot about the way I think women work in this movie, where, like, the next two most important women are stuck in a jar yes. for, like, 90% of the runtime. Well, and one of them's basically the, like, the queen of evil, but is just sealed in a can the whole Right, we, we never get much of that character. So let's, all right, so since there's nothing to say about uh, Rebecca, let's go into Monica Bellucci as Veronica Gorloison. <laughs> I oh. wish there was a character I mean, here. You can't really say much. She has, like, three things, three lines right yeah and I I don't know if it's the sort of thing where like you got Monica Bellucci because you're like well you're out of the jar now so in the sequel you're gonna have a whole arc to do with Nicolas Cage and you'll actually matter and you'll have shit to do because as it stands in this movie she ain't got shit to do I mean did she do all of her scenes in two days she could have probably it wouldn't surprise me because it's just the flashback bits and and then then on the part right so it's just like those two locations and that's about it it's just a bummer because and I feel like this has happened to Monica Bellucci a lot. It's definitely happened to her in the movies that she's appeared in that we've done for the podcast. I think maybe yeah. with the exception of Brotherhood of the Wolf. Oh, I forgot about Brotherhood um, of the Wolf. You're where right. she oh actually God. like gets to do shit, do yeah. some things. Um, it's just so lame that she keeps getting cast in these roles where it's just like look pretty and mysterious yeah, you're, you're and that's just, about it. You're just the magical TNA. Right. That was the same deal in um, the Brothers Grimm Brothers Grimm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
It's just, it sucks because it's like, and having I've seen her in other things, she can do shit. Or is she also the bride in Dracula? One of the She's ladies. one of the brides yeah, in Dracula. Yeah, yeah she is. Sexy Dracula. Yeah, yeah, which she at least gets more to do so, I mean, in that like, movie. Technically, this is not, yeah. she has no lines. This right. is like she not looks a, cool. a type of role that she would be unfamiliar with. No. I, I'd yeah. be curious to know like what she thinks of, of taking of these roles. Where yeah. it's like, we need a hot foreign woman. <sighs> right, yeah, exactly. To be hot and foreign for 20 minutes. Yeah. I just wonder, like, I, I I would love to know what she what she thinks of it because she's someone who like she speaks four languages fluently. Yeah. She's incredibly learned. She's like in every place but America is seen as this like uber superstar, and then we treat her like crap. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, going off of that, then uh, Alice Crege as Morgana Le Fay. I mean, you kind of same say scenario, all the same right? Stuff. Exact same scenario. It really sucks because Alice Alice Crege is a great villain. Like she plays yes. evil terrifically. Obviously, like the Borg Queen. I mean, she's an iconic villain in that. Yeah, yeah. she plays that. Um, I was thinking also like she's in Silent Hill, mm-hmm. where she makes the most of a very small one dimensional role. Uh, speaking of, I watched Silent Hill for the first time recently, mm-hmm. and it's it, it was incredibly one dimensional, but it did feel like it was a lot of effort that people put into exactly like a very shallow story. Yeah. I'll never forget my favorite bit of trivia about the movie, which what? is that the the first draft dealing note they got back on the script was there are no men. Right. <laughs> and so that's why they had to throw in like <laughs> Sean Bean in the detective character because they're like, what will the what will the men watching this movie look at? <laughs> Oh, Which man. is true. The men in that movie are largely like ineffective right. and useless. Oh yeah. my god! I mean, it's hilarious. <laughs> like, like no men. Yeah, be but... like, yeah, and <laughs> no, not even like a qualifying statement on that. Just like a factual objective. Just a like, statement. Like, just FYI, there thing are I no noticed men. there are no men. Yeah, we need some. Imagine men. like it, it having to interpret that note and be like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess there could be no men. I guess add a man. I guess we can all dream. Next up, I think probably the last one to really go into would be Toby Kebbell as Drake Stone. I think he's fun. Yes. In again a it part is a character. that is that is not. He seems like he's channeling kind of like a David Blaney, Chris Angel sort of yeah, thing. That, well, that is clearly, I think, what the reference is right. supposed to but be. But then he doesn't look like those guys, really. Yeah, like, well, his hair is weird and big and blonde. Yes. Well, between the hair and the, the British accent... It reads more to me like member of the Sex Pistols. Yeah, it, it does feel more like because when Jay Rochelle sees him, doesn't he say something like "Weren't you in Depeche Mode?" Yeah, or something like he that, does. Which, which is really like that's that that's does feel joke. like what this character ends up being. I guess I felt like this character, the Drake Stone character, kind of took me out of the movie a bit mm. because I don't I I know what they were going for, but it got so muddled. I. I I didn't understand who this person was or where they were at in the world, really. That yeah. person does not exist in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah I, I think there is a better way to, to, like, I kind of like the idea. So if you're going to go into this idea of Horvath having a crew of Morganians who are, like, from all walks of life, mm-hmm. I like the idea that one of them is, like, a modern-day magician who just became, like, this Las Vegas yeah. showy type guy and is kind of, like, an insufferable douchebag. Kind of like, you know, a comic relief character. It could potentially be fun, but I agree with you, it doesn't really work. Doesn't and then when he's, like, killed off so kind of inconsequentially before the finale of the movie, it's just a little bit like, oh, so, like, you didn't really matter too much at all, did you? Like, if you were omitted from this script, we could have probably gotten through with, like, the same basic ideas, just Alfred Molina wouldn't have someone to talk to. I, exactly. I thought it was weird that he's the first one to get the parasite spell. Uh, this is going to seem really minor and nitpicky, but I think if, to make that more effective, Drake should get parasited last. Yeah, because I think that's fair. Especially if you're going to dispatch the other Morganians pretty much immediately. It makes it more drastic when it happens to him. Right. Because he's like the first one you really meet and get to know. And so like when he gets killed off like right before the climax of the movie or something. Meanwhile, when it happens to Abigail, you're like, okay. Yeah, it's like, fine, I guess. Sorry, kid. Like... I, I thought we, we might have been going somewhere when she is almost kind of pulling like a mini, mini horror movie trick on mm-hmm. the girlfriend in the radio station. Yeah. I would have loved to have stayed there a little longer and get more of that. Especially if Abigail was just going to be like written off so quickly. Right. It also feels like Abigail didn't need to do that. You know, like you could have said Toby Kevill, Horvath could have gone himself. Right. It's like, why, why, is, why is she here? Why is she I doing could, this at this I point? I could see there being a thing of like, you need at least one more minion. Right. No. Yeah. That's mostly it. 
then you've just only like checked the box because right. then you kill her off so quickly. I guess the last one to it's... acknowledge real quick is Jake Cherry as young Dave, who so expertly channels Jay Baruchel's mannerisms I... and physical appearance. Yeah. I don't know if that kid has naturally heavy eyelids like Jay Baruchel, but... He yeah, got him. The looks. Yeah, it's really good casting. Whoever found that kid, uh, well yeah. done. You really nailed that one. I know we had said previously we wanted to make sure that we talk about what we liked in this movie, which I feel like we did. Yeah, I feel yeah. like we, we definitely did yeah, a good job of highlighting the, what's the good magic. here. The magic. I think this yeah. was uh, easier to do with this movie. I think two of us, I think all three of us fairly liked it. Yeah, yeah. it was a fun movie. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. It's a fun movie. It needs work. Yeah, so I guess going off of that then, since we have adequately covered what we liked and what we didn't like, how would we fix this movie? I can go first. Go for it. All right, so I've had basically just kind of like a couple of ideas here. The one thing is, I think, and we kind of discussed this going to this, this movie needs to completely omit the Chosen One narrative, yeah. which I hate. I don't care about. It was so old hat even by this point that like, and also like, it doesn't matter. This I think is perhaps one of like the strongest examples of the Chosen One just not mattering yeah. in overall plot. You could cut it, no one would care. I think also what it needs to be is more of kind of like a team up style thing. Mm -hmm. So like I said, you want to have the Morganians hanging around more so that like they can sort of develop more as characters and have a little bit more to do. Likewise, I think that you need uh, Balthazar to have like a band of his own wizards who he met. So I think what needs to happen is that the love interest character, I think she could still be a college student because I kind of like the idea that there's like undercover wizards just kind of hanging out everywhere. So like I kind of like the idea that maybe she is like his love interest, but she's also kind of a wizard on the down low and kind of like keeping tabs on. Did I steal it? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> It's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, it is. Listeners, just so you know, Lee pointed at herself and just started nodding. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I mean, really, like, what the issue is, is this movie needs more interesting women. Yeah. It's kind of a thing. So I feel like I would also omit entirely the idea of whatever the spell is called is bringing the zombies back to life. And you just the want rising. to... Right. And you just want to focus on Morgana. So what I think it is, one of the things that I mentioned that I like about this movie is I think it uses the concept of New York as the environment pretty well. It's how you be like, New York's almost a character yeah. in this movie. But, but it is. It is, and I think, it, like like I had said, I commented about the eagle and the bull, so, like, I think, honestly, if this movie leaned even more into that, I would like it more. Like, you know, lean into, like, the other statues that you have here. Like, you've got, like, the statue of Prometheus at, um... Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Rockefeller, yeah, Rockefeller yeah, yeah, Plaza. Rockefeller. Yeah, yeah, so you've got, like, shit like that. And I was thinking that maybe the idea, instead of being trapped in a nesting doll, maybe what it is is that Morgana is, like, entombed somewhere inside the Statue of Liberty's base or something like that. that would be so, fun. like, you've got the final showdown there on Liberty Island. Uh, I think also Veronica should be a character throughout the movie. So Veronica is not trapped in a jar the entire time. You've also got I, I, I kind of like the idea that maybe it's just that like what happens is the Jaber Rochelle's character, the impetus is that he knocks over this jar that has trapped Horvath and all his evil magical minions in it. And that's kind of like what does it. And Nicolas Cage is just basically like, you're, oh, you're really adept in physics. Well, physics and math are Shakespeare and rap are not that different. <laughs> Oh and so it's just the sort of the, like, oh, you... Is he going to turn the chair backwards? And yes, and he's going to, like, no, let's analyze some Simon and Garfunkel lyrics. <laughs> um, is he going to wear a leather jacket? Yes. Really <laughs> but so m mostly just um, the sort of thing like that. I, you could have a little bit more of, like, the fun, magical underbelly of New York. I, I forget what, like, the trope is called in fiction, where it's, like, the alternate universe that yeah. exists within a regular universe. You just deal with a little bit more of that. Like, again, you introduce the concept of there being more wizards, so you have a little bit more of, like, akin to, I don't want to say, like, akin to Diagon Alley and Harry Potter necessarily but a little like diagonally yeah, and i think you can also like based on watching this have the arcana cabana focus as like the headquarters for these characters also maybe and maybe you know the the basement of that is where jay bruchelle creates his um test the coils yeah so you still get the secret song in there somewhere but yeah that's mostly what i got it's it's some minor things because like i said this movie's not a complete mess it's yeah i agree um yeah i can go um i really didn't have like as detailed a fix as brendan but i did uh, I did have the idea that there should be more sorcerers in the movie, and they should do more, and there should be more of a faction war than like a one ver like a one v one or like a two v one or a one v two or as it's generally is in this movie. Because um, I also think that like yeah, again, the idea that like at least one side is like they're you're highlandering yourself into <laughs> yeah, exactly. power <laughs> is kind of weird and lame. Um, so yeah, I did have the idea that like well, if we have a, a love Trish, she should also be a sorcerer. But I also I. What I would want to keep is the special relationship between um, Jay Baruchel and Nick Cage mm -hmm. as mentors. So I don't think... I feel like there's um, the Jedi War... I don't know the, the terms of Star Wars, but the bit where Jedis are underground. 
Mm-hmm. Because they've been killed, by right? Because like the Sith are in charge. Yeah, so, yeah. and so like the good, the good sorcerers are like not as connected. They're kind of like in hiding, as it uh-huh. were. And so like there are maybe sects that are or people that work with each other, but also like you know, individual sorcerers are training their apprentices in secret because it's like the more you know, the harder it is to the more you know, the easier it is for someone else to like get onto a, a network and kill them all. Um, and knowing is half the battle. And knowing is half the battle. And so like. If you're a sorcerer, you may not know who else someone else like, someone else is a sorcerer because you're all sort of hiding out separately and just doing your own thing and waiting for for something to happen. Um, and so Balthazar is like one of these sorcerers who's been training someone, and like you could still do the same thing play out, but have it be less about like you are the chosen one, <laughs> and have it be more like you know kid wanders into a magic shop, which indicates that like he's he's ready to be trained. Um, and something, you know, that whole situation happens where he gets away from it and, and, and you know, there's a 10-year gap where he's supposed to have been trained. Mm-hmm. And so, like, by the time, I feel like, maybe when you meet Becky and Dave at, as age 10, like, maybe she got scooped up the next day by someone else. <laughs> and so, like, when they met each other, they, they were both normal kids. And then 10 years later, she's, like, a full-fledged sorceress because, like, she's been trained by someone who didn't get stuck into a jar. Oh, I like that. Um, and, and so it's... You have maybe more of, like, an Into the Spider-Verse thing where, like, like oh, shit, Gwen is a badass. Like, it's just Gwen Stacy's actually this badass Spider-Woman that knows what she's doing um, halfway through the movie. Um, and she kind of, like, has to save the ass of, like... Uh, it basically is, like, because that, that's basically then saving the ass of, like, Nick... Yeah. <laughs> Nick Spider-Man. Nick Spider-Man. Hi, it's me, Nick Spider-Man. Nick. You know what I'm talking about, Jake. Uh, 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 Nick. Nice. Nick Spider-Man. Yeah. Jake Johnson. Jake Johnson and... Uh, and yeah. I love Nick Spider-Man. Miles Nick Morales. Nick Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Peter Parker, I guess. Yeah. So I could just say Peter yeah. Parker. Peter <laughs> Parker. Yeah. Not hard to remember that character name. Um, but yeah, like that, yeah, you save the ass of these two guys who are kind of like yucking it up. By <laughs> what they're doing. Having some yucks. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of basically it. I think that you would... I don't know how I would fix this problem because I think that like the Morgana wants an army of the dead evil is like lame, but also like I I'm not really the type of person I've learned that you want coming up with like big epic fantasy <laughs> storylines because uh, I, I'm dissatisfied with the traditional like take over the world thing, but I don't have a better solution for I it. I mean, for me, I think in my idea, it's just that Morgana is evil and like that's yeah. not a good thing to have around. Like she doesn't have an explicit like, and then I'll conquer the world. It's just sort of like she's bad and that's not good. Yeah. So there is some sort of she's final bad, confrontation. And that's it's no good. Not Good. But it's it's more nuanced than like I don't know Army of the Dead yeah. shit. I like it. I like both of yours. I also don't really have like a super detailed one because again, I really enjoyed I enjoyed this movie for the most part. I do change the story up somewhat. In what I, one way I was thinking of the Army of the Dead part, I agree is kind of lame and very rote. Uh, but I did sort of like this idea of there being this like really kind of crazy god tier spell. Um, but I'm thinking, what if? She casts the spell, it's successful, and it essentially traps us in an illusion world where we're being fed off of by a, like, ruling class of sorcerers who are sort of, like, ruling us in secret as a cabal. And, (laughs) um, like, the Arcana Cabana would still be sort of like a hub area where uh, Nicolas Cage would sort of be, like, working slash hiding out and uh, eventually makes contact with Jay Baruchel who uh, kind of maybe, like, coaxes Nicolas Cage out of the cave a bit and to make contact with these other sorcerers or still Merlinian, for lack of a better term, uh, to kind of, like, fight the power. Mm. But that's, that's all I got. That's all I got. Fight the power. Fight the, fight the wizard power. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh... And then they'll go to Europe and they'll take it to Grindelwald. Do you know those crimes he's done? <laughs> so bad. Many. They're bad. He's broken every human law. <laughs> broke the law of gravity. He's got crimes. <laughs> Dumbledore's got secrets. So. <laughs> crimes and secrets. Newt's yeah. got fantastic beasts. You know, that's where they are. What do you think the next title would be? Uh, yeah, we'll see if that next one ever happens. I mean, it's the time of Porpentina Turner. <laughs> <laughs> it's two minutes long. It's just her, like... <laughs> Just turn at the Ministry of Magic and be like, boy, I haven't had a lot to do lately. Yeah. <laughs> so going off of that, I think it's safe to say, would we all recommend this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a yeah. movie. Yeah, it's on Disney+, Plus, so you can see it if you have a subscription to that. Uh, or you can borrow my Blu-ray copy. If <laughs> yeah, you know me personally, just ring my doorbell and ask for Brendan, and then ask for my copy of The Sorcerer's Apprentice, I'll gladly loan it to you. Yeah. But don't ask him for a cup of sugar. No, thank you. That's mine. My <laughs> bag of sugar. <laughs> I stay at home like Winnie the Pooh, stuffing fistfuls of sugar into my mouth from my did sugar you, bag. Did you see, by the way? Yeah, it looks dumb. 
Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Of course, our website is draftpack.com. Facebook.com slash Podcast is our Facebook page. You can like us there. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, so you can subscribe to us through those. Follow us, whatever the fuck it is that I want you to say. <laughs> Rate us there as well. We'll be back in two weeks with a mini episode, as is our want. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's buy it out, friends. Bye. Bye.